0: Coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen, feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy.
1: Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, episode 71. I'm Connor Murphy, here with Grace Matthews, and we're joined in the studio today by celebrity stylist David Blackstock and the beautiful and talented Jennifer Flowers. Hi, crew!
2: Hey! How are you?
1: Hello! How are you? Oh, we're doing good. I'm not in the same studio. I don't have the visual clue, so I'm just going to let you guys talk.
2: So I wore this low-cut dress just for you, and you're not here to see it. Oh, no! Grace, you should have told
3: me. See, I should have. Because it's but wasted
2: on her. I didn't and want David. To burst
3: your bubble. <laughs> <And David. laughs> okay. Well, we're very excited to have David Blackstock here with us. Thank you. I guess we'll just get started. My dad always reminded me that we all come into this world naked and vulnerable. What happens to us next is really just the luck of a draw. Regardless, what we do with the lessons we learn. And comprehend, or don't, define us as one of two kinds of people, victim or survivor. As everybody knows, Connor and I love politics, but nothing rivals the real-life stories we encounter along the way, and quite frankly hope to showcase more frequently in the future here on Dueling Dialogues. What are we most fascinated by? Well, people that rise above adversity and thrive personally and professionally. Today, as we said before, in studio all the way from Fort Worth, Texas, we have author and celebrity hairstylist, David Blackstock.
1: Hello, how are you today?
3: Great. Wonderful. So excited to have you down here in the Ozarks. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. (laughs) So let's start from the beginning. Okay. After all, every story starts at the beginning. David, where did you begin?
1: I began in Texas in a trailer park. I was born and raised in trailer parks. I didn't live in a real house until I met my uh, first boyfriend and moved into an apartment. So I'm truly trailer park trash <laughs> with <laughs> with a little bit of class thrown in there, hopefully. But uh, I, I was, and I'm very proud of that. I, I believe that no matter where you're from or what you come from, you should always be proud of who you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud to say that I was raised in a trailer park. And I made my dreams come true through that.
3: Absolutely. And Texas. I'm a
1: Texan on top of that, so that that gives oh, you a little bit of an extra. Yeah, push. don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with Texas, especially I love if Texas. you're from a trailer park. And you did it in a big way, right? I well, I tried to. In, in my <laughs> world, i I had very humble dreams growing up, and uh, if I'd not known my dreams were going to come true, then I would have probably dreamt a little bit bigger. But for the dreams that I had, it was a big deal for me.
3: That's awesome. You know, the human condition is often amazing. Survivors are often steered back into a situation that mirrors in some way their original demise. For the strong, it seems they are actually just trying to get it right. David, um, do you feel there is a correlation between your chaotic childhood with your mom and the career that has you so up close and personal with women?
1: Well, I was... I was raised around women, but I was also raised around men. My family both came from humble beginnings. My father's family came from a uh, very backwoodsy little community called Goat Neck. And my mother came from a small town. So I was raised bouncing between going fishing and going hunting and hanging out with my dad and my uncles, and they would drink, and I would drive the car for them while they were drinking, and I was like 10 years old. And then I would go back to my mother's trailer house and my stepdad, and I would have to take care of her because she was a prescription drug addict. And um, I think she did it to to numb whatever pain she had. And uh, I was the youngest out of three boys. She had three other sons, had her first kid when she was 16. Oh and by the time she was 21, she had been married two times and had three boys. And I asked my brother one time, I said, you know, you were a lot older than me. So when I was born and you knew the situation that I was in, why didn't you come and get me? And he said, well, he said, we were raised with the same mom that you were raised with. She took pills when we were kids also. And he said she had driven her other boys away from her. And she had you for one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to have something to love. And we were not going to go up at a 19 year old or a 16 year old and say, excuse me, we're going to take the only thing. That you have left from you and uh, he said so there was no alternative you had to stay with mom because so she adored you she adored me my mother adored me and I always knew my mother adored me and like I said she had her problems and, But may uh, I
2: interject something sure.
1: from what David has told me his mother
2: even though she had her issues Lord knows we all do uh, was a very strong woman mm-hmm. and she was very definite in her opinions uh, she she didn't let anybody push her around, so she self-medicated. She taught David some very good values, even though she had her problems. So she was functional. She was she mm-hmm. was functional. Yeah. But I mean, she she didn't let anybody, as a female, push her around. And I think that David is drawn to women like that. he mm-hmm. respects strong women.
1: Strong women. Strong. Strong women. Yeah. So. So, um, anyway, so I was my mother's keeper and, um, I just always had, and I always stayed, spent a lot of time in my bedroom. I would lock myself away and listen to Dolly Parton records and Tina Turner and all this because that was my escape. And I created a fantasy world. And uh, when my mother passed away when I was 15, mm. I realized that I was going to be able to have a life. I felt free and you I, did I felt guilty. I, I came home after the funeral, and it was a couple of days later. I was sitting in the trailer house and it was quiet. And I knew that I was not going to have to go go through what I had been through with my mother that it was over. And I could start living my life. It made me extremely sad. But I knew that basically I was 15 and I was on my own. But relieved. I was relieved, yeah. Yeah. And that I could pursue anything that I wanted to pursue because I didn't have anybody telling me what to do because I was basically an unsupervised child. Because, you know, the Blackstocks didn't want to have anything to do with me because they looked at me as a problem because of my mother and my father. And I knew none of my mother's brothers until I met them at my mother's funeral. So I was free to really live my dreams, and I had nothing to lose. So, so. did you just yeah, very much stay
3: there around. at 15 by yourself? I, I stayed
1: with my stepfather, and my dad wanted me to come live with him, and I said, I'm not living with you. I said, you know, you would say I'm going to give go a carton of milk or whatever, and you'd be gone for a month and leave my mother and I with nothing and get evicted out of our uh, trailer or wherever we were living. And my stepfather provided a, a stable home for me. And so I asked, I said, can I please stay with you until I become of age? And he said, well, son, I really don't have any legal boundary to you, but you, you're welcome to stay here with me. And so I did. My, my father agreed to it because he knew that I was going to run away from him. So. Mm. How scary, though. Well, it was scary. But after what I had been through as a kid and, and with my mom and everything, I didn't think about it being scary. It was just something that scary. Uh, it was his
3: norm.
1: Yeah. Scary was my norm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Jennifer. So and did you so, have
3: PTSD or anything like that? When you I were think a kid? I have
1: some of it now. I think I think that my anxiety and, and my high blood pressure, I had panic. I hate to go to the doctor. My blood pressure will go up to 190 if I have to go to the doctor because I had spent so many times uh, having to go to the emergency room with my mom. And I remember walking home one night from a Christmas party that the kids had in this little town, and I had lights on the trailer house. And my mother would plug the lights in, you know, and I would come home at night and the lights would be on. And one night I came home and those lights weren't on. And I started getting sick to my stomach because I knew that when I walked in there, it was not going to be good. Right. And sure enough, I walked in there and she had passed out and she had fallen out of the back door of the trailer house onto the ground and there was no step. Oh lie. And so I had to call an ambulance and they knew me by name, you know. Sure. And uh, they had to come and get my mom. And I remember she didn't have on a top. She just had on a bra. And I remember dressing her a little bit. So when the ambulance attendants got there, that she would look somewhat presentable. And of course, sure. then they just rip it all off because they yeah, have to okay. do their thing. But, you know. But I just remember walking up to that trailer thinking, well, the the lights are not on, so she's out of it. Because you didn't plug the lights in. Wow! So.
2: But now you love those bright lights.
1: Now I love those bright lights. Yeah, yes. exactly. Different kind of bright lights. <laughs> Different Those LEDs are really great now.
3: Oh, they
2: yeah. are.
1: They, they are, but you, you can can't like buy them for 15, the wrong 000, light on
3: Sunday. Yeah. And you can't buy them for a dimmer. <laughs> you can. You'll have you, a. You'll have an accident. Yes. Know. Know. Our lights started flashing off on Sunday because I tried to put the oh, LEDs in the dimmer. Yeah. Yeah, a little safety thing there. So, talking about women. Talking
1: about women. Fabulous women. Yeah, yeah. Tell
3: us about some of these fabulous women.
1: Well, I, besides Jennifer. Well, you know, I, I think any woman can be fabulous. I think it's all up to oh, them. Oh, God, love you're you. You're fabulous. Know. I, I do. I, you're, you know.
2: you're,
1: she's fabulous. She's fab. Yeah, she's. I see fabulous women on every all day. <laughs> The, one of the first fabulous women I ever met was the hairdresser that I'll talk about in that book. She was a young girl, and she was a hairdresser, and uh, one day I was walking home from school, and she had on these tight uh, blue jeans and a yellow little tank top type thing, and she had all this pretty brown hair and feathers in her ears, and she was driving a 280ZX, Oh! and I just thought she was the prettiest thing that. I'd ever seen, and she had on those cork high heel shoes, remember, back in the 70s, oh, yeah. and I thought she looked like a Charlie's Angel, mm-hmm. and so I walked in there, and I said, hi, my my name's David. And she said, well, I'm Twala. Do you need a haircut? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And boy, she, she said, well, okay. And I didn't even really have, I didn't know how much money I had. And uh, I said, well, how much is a haircut? And she said, 12, well, $12 in 1977 might as well have been 50. Absolutely. She said, well, let's cut your hair and you, you can pay me later. So she leaned me back in the shampoo bowl and I had all this brown curly hair and she started running those long fingernails There's through my hair and shampooing me yeah <laughs> yeah and I thought well this is really good this is and awesome so she put me in the chair and started cutting my hair and she was listening to the eagles and then a couple college guys came in and they sat down and and then she got the blow dryer out with the bit brush and made me look like Barry Gibb <laughs> and from there on
3: oh my god that
1: was it <laughs> But I love that atmosphere. I love that you just walked in there and it's a whole different world. Well, you
3: know what? Woman doesn't like to go. I I love Ty Barnes Mm -hmm. does my hair. He's just one of my favorite people in the whole world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
3: I love him. I am loyal to him. Mm-hmm. You know, even when he does something stupid, like he did the other day, I forgot to write down my appointment. Oh, doesn't no. matter. Yeah. We
1: love that person. We yeah. tell that person they're, they're things. For you. Well, you know? And, yeah. and it's a very intimate and thing. They to yeah, and they touch you.
3: and It is. It's intimate.
1: Especially it's with a today's um, salon suites. You're in this small, intimate area. The yeah. door is shut. Yeah. And it's just you and your client. And yeah. at their most vulnerable, you know, you're putting color on their hair and you don't know if they've had a bad day or a good day. But the time that they're there, I want to make them feel good. And oh, um, I've got clients, God love them, that I started doing when they were in college. And now these girls are grown and got kids and some of them live in Dallas, but they still come to me. Let's and give uh, a, the name of your book. Give the name of David's book. It's very good. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: the yeah. Book. It's
3: an amazing. Yeah. Book. yeah. Actually, that's mostly why we're here. The Insider's yeah. Guide to Earning 100 K as a self-employed salon pro. Yes, ma'am. And, and that's, uh, not, that's, that's
2: hard. I mean, we're not, not necessarily owning your own salon
3: either. That's, mm-hmm. that's well, I like, saw it kind of as something that could be used in other businesses. Yes. I'll yes. tell you what most interested me is that economists say over and over again, making money in a business that caters to well-to-do people. Uh It's difficult, Mm -hmm. more difficult than a business that caters to the middle class. How do you do it? I mean, they're not as loyal sometimes as the middle class, the elite. And you've certainly Mm -hmm. had the creme de la creme.
1: Yes. Well, on on your daily clientele of wealthy women, the, the key is to find a wealthy woman who is down to earth that, David, that David makes sense
2: David actually interviews people before they can become a client
1: I do sometimes to make it's
2: sure that the, like the date. I
1: want to make sure this is going to work before we invest any time in this you know that's a great idea but, but the wealthy and, and I don't want to say wealthy but the women of means that I've had come into me the Fort Worth elite which every town has you right. know right. The food, well, you're food out in Hollywood
2: all the time too yeah
1: but even the Hollywood people that I know they're very down to earth people and uh, it's the shallow ones that I don't really click with and I can see it and I just sense it. But I think finding a woman who is secure with who she is, and she knows that all that social stuff is a bunch of bullshit, but she's going to play the game because that's her life. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, she, she she knows what's going on, and she doesn't buy into it. So Excellent. those are really a lot of the women. And it's the same thing with show business women, you know, like Joan Rivers. Joan exactly. Rivers was a working woman in show business. And a
3: workaholic.
1: Workaholic. Put, and when she would walk into a, a club to do her act or the Bass Hall in Fort Worth, Texas. It was her assistant, her, and one one piece of luggage. And out of that one piece of luggage came all of her outfits, her dressing mirror, everything. She would unpack everything, set everything up, go out on stage, do her thing, come back, put everything in little Ziploc bags, all her clothes back into one suitcase, and walk out the stage door. Oh, my gosh. Not a big entourage, not not all these big yeah. clothing things. Everything went into Ziploc bags and one suitcase. That's amazing. Yeah, it and is. It, uh, and,
3: and just like we were talking before.
1: Gosh, I miss her. Yeah, she was oh, yeah. a very sweet lady, very quiet in and private and very soft-spoken. And, uh, but the rest of the time she was working, she would go into her host field. So
3: So you didn't expect
1: to hear that she was so quiet.
3: No, I, I'm still a little astonished. Yeah, she yeah. was very
1: quiet. And, and when I would do nice her hair and she'd be going over her notes, she would say, you have a very good touch. You allow me to work, but you don't disturb me. She said, you're a very good hairdresser. And so she just knew little things to say to put you at ease. You know? Oh, she was brilliant. So yeah, it, she, was.
3: she meant she cared. Well yeah, yeah and she didn't she miss a trick, did she? I mean, comedians a lot of times they notice everything. hmm Yeah. And and she was her act was very detailed. It was. Her oh, monologue.
2: Yeah. yeah. I was in I was in it. <laughs> yeah. Were you? Oh my yeah. goodness. Tell us, tell us. I can't remember the joke. Oh, I was honored. <laughs> oh,
3: absolutely.
1: <laughs> She always found it interesting that Jennifer and I were best friends. She said, who else would a gay hairdresser have as a best friend besides Jennifer Flowers? Yeah. <laughs> you know? She said, I love it that your best friend's a scandal queen. It's perfect.
3: Oh, I love it. And she,
1: she asked, she said one day we were having lunch. She said, now your friend, Jennifer, is she a good girl? Is she a good person? I said, she's a very good person. Oh, for I sure. I said, Jennifer's just somebody who followed her heart. And unfortunately, it was not the thing to do sometimes. But, <laughs> but the reason she did it because she is a good person. She's a very loving and caring person. And so Joan said, so we like her a lot. And I said, yes, we like her a yeah. lot. Yeah. And she said, well, then I'll never say anything bad about her. So,
3: So and Anna Nicole. Remember Anna
2: Nicole?
1: Oh, the, yeah. Anna Nicole. oh yeah. What a beautiful yeah. woman. I didn't click with Anna Nicole. You didn't? No, but I she, thought I she would, had a, but I didn't. She um, had
3: that Marilyn Monroe beauty.
1: I only yes. did her hair a few times at her house. I met her at a party, and she didn't live far from Ruta. And so we exchanged pleasantries and phone numbers and everything. But I was not flamboyant enough for Anna Nicole Smith. She liked she liked very flamboyant people. Everybody around her had to be overly this and overly this. And I just wasn't that I was too much of a Texan for her. I think I reminded her too much of where she came from. And then once she found out that my friend Mamie Van Doren and I were very close, that pretty well sealed it. Because, you know, Anna was kind of a, a reproduction of what Mamie Van Doren was. She was trying to be what Jane Mansfield was and Marilyn Monroe. Absolutely. Where Mamie Van Doren was the real deal. And I think that kind of rubbed her a little way. Not in the best ways, but I think it just didn't set well with her. Mamie
2: is an interesting...
1: Yeah, Mamie Van Dorn is a very interesting woman.
2: She has an amazing history.
1: She does. Today's her birthday. Oh, happy birthday. And still a sex symbol.
2: She looks like she's 30. And you
1: still do her hair? No, I I haven't seen Mamie in a few years. We're still close. When Mamie's husband retired, she decided she was going to spend the rest of her life being being his wife. And she told me one day during lunch, she said, when Thomas retires, you won't see me as much as you used to. And uh, but because I, I had to be a wife to my husband because he's let me be Mamie Van Doren all these years. She said it's not that I don't love you, but it's time for me to be a wife for my husband who has supported me. And I miss her, but I understand. Absolutely. And uh, but we used to meet for lunch, and we've done a few things. She used to come to the Thalians all the time, and and I would be her date for the night, and and then my friend Alan Mercer is her private photographer, and they worked a lot. And uh, so
2: can I tell that story about David was visiting me and. In- Las Vegas, and we drove over to have lunch with Mamie and Alan mm-hmm. and Thomas,
0: uh-huh. and were, uh, we're we got a there shoot. a little
2: bit early, and, and uh, Alan was doing a photo shoot with Mamie, and they were just finishing up, so we, we sat down on the couch and watched the remainder of the photo shoot and then to go to lunch. Now, Mamie is hot as a pistol. I mean, she had this, she just, she's amazing. Uh, At at her age, like I said, she looks like she's 30. Her skin is gorgeous. Uh, So we're watching, and she has this little tight suit on Mm -hmm. with this little hat with a veil. And, of course, Alan is the photographer. He's saying, oh, that's great, Mamie, you know, give me a little more sexy. Well, she just plopped her boob out. (laughs) I didn't know if I was supposed to look or <laughs> look from David. I mean, it's not that I haven't seen him. Oh, I But I just felt a little awkward. I mean, she could have cared less Yeah, we were have, sitting there. Oh,
3: my gosh.
2: Uh, and,
1: That's uh, her today.
3: And then, <laughs> she time. is gorgeous. I she mean, is gorgeous. Yeah. She is gorgeous for 40. Yeah.
1: I yeah, mean. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's and I love her. Oh and my god! listen to this, Mamie, we love you and happy birthday.
3: Yes, Mamie, absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
2: So much admiration for her and respect. And
1: getting back to strong women, Mamie's a very strong woman. She, she—I mean, she looks like a woman, but she thinks like a man. And she's taught me a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but I'm attracted to strong women. I mean, you certainly are. And what about Ruta Lee? She's Ruda your Lee, godmother. Ruta Lee is my godmother, and okay. I'll always when I go to talk to young hairdressers, I always tell them that I have a really, really wonderful life, but I also have a real fairy godmother, and my fairy godmother lives in Hollywood, and this big castle on top of a hill, and she made all my dreams come true,
0: and, oh um,
1: so, that gave
3: me so, <laughs> yeah, she,
1: she makes all my dreams come true, and she did, and she still does today, now, how old is she, Ruta is going to be, Jesus she'd kill me, but she's going to be 83 on her birthday. Okay. Okay. And, she looks um, great. yeah, and she's beautiful. She looks great, but I have a very good relationship with her too. She keeps me grounded. One day she was at the house uh, in Texas and, and we were going to color her hair. And, and I said, well, let's go into the salon to color your hair because I don't really like to do hair in my house. I, I, wouldn't. Don't like, to sep- yeah. I like to separate it. And um, she said, well, honey, we'll just do it here uh, at the house. Yeah. And I said, no, well, Tony, my husband was looking at me like, you know, good Good. luck on this. And so finally I said, well, get dressed and let's go to the salon. And she said, honey, let's just do it here at the house. Jesus, it's just us. And I said, well, I don't really like to do hair in my house. Oh, well, excuse me, Mr. Hollywood hairdresser. You don't like to do hair in your house. Please get over there and let's do my hair. So I wound up doing her hair in the kitchen, bent over the sink. (laughs) Or and you know, it. but yeah. Uh, yeah, she don't. Uh, she'll she'll bring me down real quick.
3: Oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> but I love her. She, she's she's a great great person.
3: And so you met Dolly. Did you I've do met, Dolly's I, hair
1: before? I, no, I've met Dolly. I've, she's let me touch her hair up. Oh my her goodness. hairdresser was there with us. But yeah, I, love, I would
3: just like to touch her hair.
1: I love. But she she let me have the honor of doing it because I told her it was my dream. She's and, so darling. She she is. Truly a sweet, sweet person, and what you see is basically what you get. Just sitting with her, and uh, I—not I, one bad thing. I think anybody can say about Dolly. She, she's just an outstanding person. I introduced her to my friend Ruth Buzzy. She had always wanted to meet Ruth Buzzy, and I said, "Well, Laffin. I can bring her with me from Lapin And she said, oh, yeah. well, I've always wanted to meet Ruth Buzzy." She said, "I just my dad her. adored her," and so I brought That's her just funny. to the and concert. She and her husband. Oh, oh, okay. The next weekend, because I do Ruth's hair, and Dolly was just so thrilled that I had brought Ruth Buzzy. And she told me, she said, I want to thank you for bringing Ruth to me because you gave me one of the best Christmas gifts as I got to meet somebody that I've never met. And she said, so thank you. So that meant so much to me. that But I was able to give her a little bit of a gift. And, of course, Ruth loved her, too. They were they were hilarious together. Oh, my bet. Yeah, they were funny. How cute. Yeah. And then Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre. She married my cousin Narvel Blackstock, and they got divorced in 2015. It was his doing, and that mm-hmm. uh, Reba has gone on and has a good life. And Reba has just always kind of been a part of my life because Narvel. She, she seems like a me, rock. Is she a rock? She's yeah. She's she's like a she's like a. Dude girl, you know, she's not like all huggy, she's like patting you on the back, and you, you want something to drink, and she's not real lovey dovey, right? And I think that's why she's such a strong person because she was raised on a ranch, yeah. Well, now she's the KFC uh Colonel now, yeah. What do oh, you think about yeah, that? I,
3: that is awesome. I i really love well, that. It's quite a twist,
1: it's it's a yeah, twist, I, yeah. I, that
3: was for
1: everybody, some
2: marketing person yeah. came up with a good idea, yeah.
1: but I've always loved Reba, and we've always had a, a fairly good relationship, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think she's always kind of kept, oh, I think whenever celebrities get really, really big, I think they have to get to a point where they kind of have to kind of fence off some of the family. Or, or oh, okay. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah.
3: And yeah. so I'm kind like
1: like of yeah, in that center line with her. She doesn't really nail me off a whole lot, but I have a little bit to do with her a lot more than some of the black stocks do. And I think it's because of my career and we kind of move in the same circles and everything. So she's always treated Tony and I with a lot of respect. And, Excellent.
3: Now, yeah. is her son still driving? Did, wasn't he driving a race car?
1: He's a race car driver, Shelby. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a race car driver, and she was very supportive of that. I think he went to college one year in Arizona and didn't yeah. like it. Yeah.
3: Well, as you can see over there, we have an old, well, He's passed away, but we have a race car driver in our family. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) So. So that's uh always interests me, But I thought he was still racing now. I love Broadway. Mm-hmm. Get ready to go to Manhattan next month. I love it. Yeah. done some hair there, a little
1: bit. My buddy, Carol Channing, who I absolutely adore and love. Oh, yeah, she just turned ninety seven you know,
3: wow, these people live a long time. They live I like a long this. time.
1: John Rivers told me one time, honey, you've gotta start meeting younger people. Or you're not gonna have anything left <laughs> you
0: Right.
1: <laughs> but but I'm not intrigued with younger celebrities. We don't have, we have celebrities. We don't have movie stars anymore. And so I'm not interested in doing a Kim Kardashian or whoever. I To me, they're well, just. That is different. She's, yeah,
0: she's,
1: she, she's a younger person, but I just don't feel, I love old Hollywood glamour. Oh, I do too. I love yeah. old Hollywood glamour. And it's just, that's something that's gone by the wayside. So, you know, but I've had a good career. I got on the very end of old Hollywood. And I was telling Jennifer the other night that uh, I was very fortunate because when I came into the, a lot of these ladies' lives, they weren't real busy. So, you know, I told them, oh, I love you and I want to do your hair. And they said, oh, okay. Well, you and can, so you really got to know them. I really got to know them because they they weren't busy doing certain things or making a lot of movies. So I, it was wonderful for me. And and, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. We were
2: talking in the car on the way up here about Joan Collins.
1: Yeah. Oh my, oh, my goodness.
2: He did Joan's hair a few times and her personality. Yeah. Interesting lady.
1: Yeah. I touched her hair up for her book signing one time off the of La Cienega and something, and it was raining. We are in the back of the bookstore. Oh, but my just, uh, she, you, she doesn't hug or kiss. Don't try to kiss her. She oh, she doesn't? Uh-uh. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's about the lipstick.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's not real touchy baby. I get that. And uh, Stephanie Powers, I oh my gosh, and, Heart and, you know, to Heart
3: was one of my favorites. And yeah. her
1: and Ruta are very good friends. And you know, sometimes I have to pinch myself that Stephanie Powers is sitting next to me at the dinner table and we're eating grilled chicken and asparagus together. And um, how
3: fabulous! Now she had yeah. cancer. She did. Did she? She overcame it. She, she was did. quite uh, a smoker, wasn't she? Uh, yes. At one time uh, and got one cancer. Uh, and-
1: yeah. she survived I, yeah she's another tough tough broad i mean she runs the william holden wildlife Preservation in, in i think it's in africa
3: yeah yeah, yeah I, I read and that. she
1: still does that she has a place in england she has a place in, in hollywood so she's very active yeah and, and she never going. married right nope yeah.
2: no nope, i was met her at one of the uh, the, the thalian uh, organization is a, a charity that benefits mental health in Hollywood, and Ruda and Debbie Reynolds were the chairpersons of that for many, many years. Ruda would have a brunch after the ball. We would have a ball every year, right? And uh, uh, at the at this brunch, Stephanie Powers was there with her mother. Oh, so I have a picture with my mother, Stephanie, and her mother, mm-hmm. which
3: I treasure. Oh, I bet. She was very, very nice. Yes. And I enjoyed
2: meeting her.
3: She was so beautiful. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. There was an unusual beauty about her mm-hmm. in the yes. 70s Gray and 80s. Hair yeah. And and- yeah. And yeah, and she did sort of represent a feminism that was softer than we see now. Yes. Yeah. You know, she was yeah. in charge. Uh-huh. But, yeah, very female.
1: Very female. Yeah. yeah. I loved her. Yeah, she she was great. Going going back to the Thalians now, that the Thalians help Operation Men, our soldiers, in need. And so they oh, kind gosh. of shifted gears a little bit. And they did that while Debbie was still living. So uh, Ruta is still, you know, she's not heading it up anymore, but she's definitely involved yeah. in it and everything. So I just wanted to put that out. In case Ruta's Daddy listening, Reynolds. she's going to know that Dunk I mean, schmuck didn't say well, anything she, about she, Operation Men. So. <laughs> yeah because you know our boys that come back they get ignored because of the uh, oh something the, terrible we're yeah. losing several each day to suicide yeah exactly um, PTSD, PTSD
3: is um. is rampant and I um, no one's doing enough for them.
1: Yeah. Well, exactly. Ruta, Ruta and the Thalians out in um, Hollywood at the UCLA Medical Center is really trying to put a den into it. That's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. It really so, is. Yeah. Wow.
3: Okay. Well, back to your book. Yes. You, you wrote this book with um, Rob Sturgeon.
1: I did. Ron. He, he's Ron. A okay. Guy.
3: Yeah. And Ron is has a lot of business knowledge also,
1: right? Yeah. He, he had bigger dreams than me. He really went all out and achieved them. And, and he's he's an amazing man. I love him. He came to me. He has a, a some uh, salons. And with him being a businessman like he is, he was amazed by how many hairdressers could not build the business and pay their lease. Yeah. And so, you know, he invited me one time to speak at an opening at his salon. And I met his his uh, girl, Linda, and we kind of hit it off and I started doing her hair. And then I got to know Ron better. And so he said, well, I want to do a book and I want to do a book to help people, hairdressers earn a living. And he says, hands down, you're the most successful hairdresser I've ever met. He said, so I want to do a book and I want you to be a part of it, which I was very honored. So we, it took us about a year to do it. Yeah. Oh, and I God. suggested putting other people in it and everything. And the the uh, other wonderful hairdressers are in there. I picked up a few things from them. You know, the oh, their I'm tips sure. and everything. Yeah. yeah,
3: but it it does just have a lot to do with business. It I mean, does. You yeah. really could translate it is, this you know, the into business. It is a
1: business, and I think a lot of times people forget that.
3: Well, but you work. guys did not just. I mean, it's almost like a workbook. I mean, yes. it's very easy to read and to
1: follow. Yes, it's not mm-hmm. like. Where can they find your book? On um, Amazon. 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 Ron, you can download it. or we,
3: we will put a link to that. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Absolutely. Ron, you.
3: What's something you like for the listeners to take away about the book?
1: Well, you know, I, and this is what I tell hairdressers is just because you don't own a hair salon doesn't mean you're not successful. And I owned a hair salon. And it wasn't my thing. I was not politically correct enough to own a business. And I had to learn that the hard way. You know, when you have a lot of different personalities in a salon, not everybody can take strong language or or whatever. And I wasn't willing to change. I, I stayed the same person that I was whenever I bought the salon when I became a business owner. And so that I had to learn that lesson the hard way. It was kind of a thorn in my side. And uh, I just, why I decided to let it go. And I was also going to go to work for Joan Rivers part-time because she had got to know me a little bit and she knew Ruta, she knew Debbie. So she said, well, you know, maybe four or five times a year you can go out with me. And I knew I couldn't do it owning that salon and I wasn't happy. So I let, I sold the salon and let it go because really my, my heart is with my clients And doing my little celebrity thing out in Hollywood and getting to meet movie stars. And it was never about owning a business. So that's why I'm so passionate about people going into a leasing situation. Because you just don't need a big salon and you don't need a big area to work in. You just need something for you and your clients and your worth ethics. And you can earn a good living. And
3: many of these these hairdressers Mm -hmm. that are fabulous Mm -hmm. have salons. Mm -hmm. It is very hard to make it.
1: It is, because uh, the, taxes,
3: the taxes really, that's, that's what I hear over and over again. Yeah. Taxes, it's huge, alive, comp, mm-hmm. all the insurances, and mm-hmm. like you say, the turnover, you're constantly trying to fill that booth.
1: Because they're moving in and out.
3: Still, when it fails, mm-hmm. they feel like failures. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really take it to heart. Yeah. So I'm I'm really glad to see this, and I think there's certainly a huge market. Well, well David didn't fail in his salon. Just, yeah, I know, you
2: know he did, but, but no, a lot do. A
1: lot yeah, do. A lot yes,
3: yeah. or not, you know.
2: No, and, and, I
1: made the decision to uh and he sold to, it. to to sell it and everything. I gave my... Well, you needed flexibility that. to travel, too, right? Yeah, and it was beginning to interfere with that. You know, I would be out there and my manager, Dana, would call me and say, you know, well, such and such didn't turn the alarm on last night and didn't lock the door. Or, it was always something and I just didn't need it. I, did, I, I don't need to own a business to feel important.
3: Well, and I suspect not owning a salon as far as personally... You can actually probably pocket more profits.
1: You can because you're cutting out the middleman. Exactly. And that's what Ron and I were talking about. And that's why this book is. So you you cut out the middleman and it doubles your income. So you if know. you
3: love your hair person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, You need to give them this book.
1: You, yes, you do. Yeah, That's and, uh,
3: my opinion.
2: I will say this uh, from first-hand experience with David. Now, David will be in his salon at 6 and 7 o'clock in the morning doing folks that need to have their hair done before work or an early event, and he'll be there that same day until 7 or 8 o'clock at night. He works hard.
3: Yeah, it is very hard work. It ain't, ain't
2: nothing easy anymore. No, it's not. not. if it's in a situation where you're, you have the opportunity to make a decent amount of money. It's not easy. No. He works smart, and he, he does his marketing,
3: and he does what he needs to do. It's all in the book. It is. But and you've got so many ways for people to take advantage of Craigslist, mm-hmm.
1: um, Facebook, Mm-hmm. You know, those are mm-hmm. cheap, cheap advertising. Face- exactly. Face- A lot of times especially. they're yeah. free. Yeah, they are. And what I tell young hairdressers is, and I don't know if I said it in that book or not. I wish I had it. It's all going to come down to customer service in the, in yes. the, in, 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 what we're living in today with all of Facebook and this, you can order anything on television or you can order anything on your phone. It's going to come down with the hair industry and the food industry. It's going to be customer service because you have to have good customer service, which concerns me with these young kids because they don't interact with each other. So they don't know how to be personal. So I don't know how that's going to work in the future with younger people. I see it in the salons today that they don't talk to their client. But you've got to have good customer service, right, Jennifer?
3: Absolutely.
2: You absolutely do. Yeah, right. There's I'm not a
1: machine to... that's going to do your hair on the horizon. I mean, you're still going to have to do something right. with your hands right. when you're doing somebody's hair. And you're going to have to listen to what that person wants because 90% of client and hairdresser relationships that don't make it, it's the communication. The, either the exactly. client is not... Communicating to the hairdresser what she wants, or the hairdresser's not listening to the client. So, you've got to really listen and be in tune. And then, after you know the person and you've been doing their hair while, well, then you can have a little wine and talk and do this and do that. But the first, I would say, eight times you do somebody's hair, you really need to be in tune with them until you learn each other's personality.
2: Absolutely. I think that the lessons in this book what you're talking mm-hmm. about now, mm-hmm. about customer service, mm-hmm. what you're talking about in here would be appropriate for many types of businesses. Yes. You pointed that out earlier. Absolutely. Rich. But yeah, but the only thing is that you really, in, in this, in your business, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, would, I personally love customer service and mm-hmm. to be pampered and feel mm-hmm. special, but I want someone to know how to put this bleach on my hair because they can smile all day, but if mm-hmm. they don't know how to do it, it's not going to be pretty.
1: No, that's I've true. been there. That's
2: true. <laughs> when David can't do it because he lives in Fort Worth and we're sure we're not able to get together all the time,
3: it can be a disaster. Well, well and and so, let's face it not, it, not every hairdresser is as talented as the next.
2: You know what? It's a special. It's it's it, it, it's like anything.
3: I mean, somebody it's some an art. folks
2: just have that art and that. I neck. want a
3: hair artist. Uh huh. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Not really a hairdresser, but I can see where you're coming from too on these younger clients. Mm -hmm. Jennifer and I are from a time where we don't get caught out without our makeup on and our hair done. These kids now they're not like that. I don't know whether that's good or bad, Mm -hmm. but it's different. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be different for somebody like you in Mm -hmm. in your business.
1: And I've had to change. I always say I'm, I'm beginning to be the share of hairdressers, you know, because I'm aging in a youth driven industry. But what I have going on my side is common sense. Right. You know, like share. I mean. She's 71 years old and still performing today and keeping up with young people. So if you don't have any common sense in anything that you do, you're never going to be successful. That's true. uh, And being a hairdresser and working with celebrities kind of adds a little bit different element. When I first opened my salon, we were open one week. And Jennifer got an interview with Entertainment Tonight. She was living in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And she had to be out there the next day. And so she called me that morning at 1030 and said, baby, we got to go to L.A. tonight. I'm going to meet you in LA. I need my hair done. We're going to do entertainment tonight in the morning. At 7 a.m. So I called Tony and I was at home. I said, You need to throw me some clothes into a bag. I had my manager cancel my appointments for the next two days and I finished up my appointments. Tony brought me my clothes, took me out to the airport. Entertainment Tonight had set up a plane for me, got on, flew out to Los Angeles. We met at the airport. The limousine driver picked me up first and then picked you up. And At three thirty in the morning at the Beverly Hills Wershaw Hotel, where we're oh my gosh, the pretty woman was. Yeah, we (laughs) checked in, and we're just both sitting there like shit.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, I would be. So
1: we went to bed. Well, we slept two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We got up, had a little bit of toast, did her hair. She was doing her makeup. Got in the limousine, got out to entertainment tonight. Finished up her hair, did the interview. And while we were in town, I wanted to see Ruta, so we went by Ruta's house in this big limousine. <laughs> you know, Ruta says, just a simple girl and her hairdresser pulling up in front of my house. Had she, lunch she at Musso and Frank's, uh-huh. got on a plane, flew back to uh, Texas,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: put her on a plane, and then... I went home, got some sleep, and was back at my salon.
2: But he's done many of those with me. Uh, Oprah. Yeah, Oprah. Oprah, interview many, though, over the years. So many. And I've always been grateful to him because he is willing, most of the time, to drop things and come help me.
1: Oh, for sure. And and you have to take care of the celebrity. When you're a celebrity hairdresser and you're traveling with a celebrity, (laughs) you're not just doing their hair and having martinis and, you know, ordering food. (laughs) You're the assistant, you're the tipper, you're the bodyguard, you're you're sure. doing, you know, I know that when we get on a plane that she, I walk behind her to take care of her, I put her on the inside seat, and you know, it's just little things that you have to do, right. and if you get out of the limousine, I always try to get out first, then she gets out, because you just don't know
3: That's right. what, what's
1: following yeah. some people, because you That's don't true. know what people has fixated on these celebrities
3: oh yeah we've talked a lot about that yeah it so is, um you know?
1: you know ironing clothes and doing this and putting a pin on the dress because the dress is you know hanging down a little bit so, so. that's
3: invaluable Seriously. oh it is I, I think it is I, I used to it's before so. my mother got sick when yeah. i traveled for books she came along she's standing there ironing my clothes she's doing what you're yeah yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. and oh, it, you know working you in know? theater
3: running around yeah. after me and
1: yeah with, with ruta and just you know in between
3: we,
2: we
1: all have him well-trained. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, absolutely. Would come I in say with, that in the nicest of
1: ways. Rita would come in when we were doing Hello, Dolly, after uh, wearing some of those heavy dresses in Hello, Dolly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And as I'm doing her hair and the wardrobe person is doing, she's pulled her panties out, and I'm putting monkey powder down the front of her panties because she's sweating. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you just think about these things. <laughs> then you put her back in the dress, and she goes out, and the audience has no idea that, you know, all of that had just taken Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the fun part.
3: Seems yeah, so know, vulnerable.
1: Yeah, the, you know, she's dead. make
2: it, you know do my corset or yeah. the stench up or whatever. And we don't care. We know, we'll walk around. Yeah. We run a hymn without a top on. Yeah. Yeah. we powder powdering our panties. I
1: mean. well, and, and when I'm at home with her, you know, when we're in, in the dressing room working and everything, you know, you just do what you have to do. You change right. clothes, you do whatever. But when I'm at home out in LA with her, and she's got on a robe or something, and she's in her dressing room. I always knock on the door, and I go, are you decent? And she said, yes, honey, come in. <laughs> and, you know, and she'll do this. She'll be modest. Yeah. Nice. And I say, well, i always make sure before I come in here. And she said, well, we're at home. We're not at work. Right. And that's the way you separate it. Sure. You know? So tell, yeah.
2: let's, let's tell her the funny story about being at Rudis House in, in Palm Springs.
1: With Carol Channing?
2: No, just you and me. Okay. And we got naked and mooned the neighbors. Oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we we did. were
0: having
1: a few drinks. We <laughs> were having a few drinks and out by the pool and everything. And, you know, it's sitting up beautiful... on a hill. It's huh? that huh?
2: older section of Palm Springs. Yes, What's the mo- uh, uh, it's where was... Elvis had a home. Yes, it's and right, right yeah. in the, It's beautiful.
1: Uh, movie colony. It was called the movie colony. And
2: her her home is sitting up, so it's looking out over several. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so uh, so I said, we had I think, a few drinks. I think there
2: people down. I could we could see them in the down at their pool staring at us. So, so
1: yeah, we it just had a right. bit So you
2: gave them a show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, if you're in Palm Springs under moonlight with Jennifer Flowers, I don't care who you are. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, the clothes are a off. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, yeah,
1: that's a good deal. If you want to hear a story about. Carol Channing, I'll tell you the story. Ruta loves it. Oh, it's yeah. About when we did the photo shoot with her. And my friend Larry Ferguson, who's very good friends with Dolly Parton, is also good friends with Carol Channing. And he was she, Dottie
2: Rambo. manager was Dottie, He was also years. Dottie Rambo's manager. He was on the bus when they had the bad accident. When they had this accident. Dottie him. Rambo
1: was a big Christian singer. Gospel singer. singer. Yeah, mm-hmm. gospel. And uh, so anyhow... Whenever Larry approached Alan about doing this photo shoot for the album cover, he said, Well, David is very good friends with Carol, and can we ask him to join us? And I Yes, yes, yes. So Larry and I were big Dolly Pardon friends, and poor Alan, all he listened to was us talk about Dolly Pardon from LAX Airport <laughs> out to Palm Springs. I'd found like my soul brother. So we get to Carol's house the next day, and uh, I had called Ruta, and I said, She was in Mexico. And I said, Ruta, I'm out here doing a photo shoot, as you know, with Carol. And I was wondering, do you know a makeup artist that I could use for the photo shoot? And Ruta said, oh, honey, you know, she's like Debbie and I. We do our own makeup. You know, we we know what we're supposed to look like. You just do her hair, and she'll take care of her makeup. And I said, well, okay, because Ruta said it, so it All was right. true. So she's, you know, get off the phone. She's down in Mexico. We get to Carol's house and we're kind of, you know, introducing ourselves. And Carol and I are talking about Ruta and Debbie. And um, her husband said, "Well, okay, let's get started because they were going to a Super Bowl party." And so I had brought some eyelashes because Larry said she would not wear eyelashes. That she doesn't wear a wig or eyelashes anymore. And I said, "Well, I'm going to take some of Ruta's eyelashes just in case because she has to have eyelashes." So we get into her bedroom and we're picking out what clothes we're going to use in these beautiful Bob Mackie dresses. And Carol's oh. just Kind of standing there, you know, and so I said, "Well, I tell you what, why don't you go out, and set up everything, Alan, and we'll get Carol. I'll get Carol dressed and get her hair done." So she says, "Go in there and get me some underwear, and we're going to get this corset on me." So we get everything on her, and you know, standing there, butt naked, and she said, "Oh, good, you know how to puddle my drawers to pull them up on me." She said, "That's very theater of you," and I said, "Yes, ma'am." And so we go into the bathroom, and I said, well, where's your makeup, Carol? Why don't you go ahead and start your makeup, and then I'll do your hair. Oh, you're going to do my makeup. Uh. And I said, <laughs> uh, "I said no, I said, I really want you to do your makeup. I said, because you know what you want to look like, because you know the Carol Channing character. And she said, oh, that's very sweet of you to say that, but you're going to do my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, OK, so I thought, OK, I'm going to do her makeup. So I start looking around for makeup. I said, Carol, where's your makeup? Oh, I don't have any makeup, sweetheart. She said, when I do special appearances, they just do my makeup for me. My hand's not steady anymore. And I went, <laughs> OK, so I'm in Carol Channing's house in Palm Springs going to do this big photo shoot. And there's no Nobody. freaking makeup. Oh, my gosh. And so I go in there and I tell Alan, I said, Alan, she does not makeup. And then he said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> so I go back into the bathroom with her. And, you know, and she's just sitting there. She's gone into her professional mode. Yeah. You know, right. like I'm going to sit here and you're going to do your magic. Right. So I start pulling out drawers and looking. So I find one half thing of lipstick. I find some purple eyeshadow and I find some mascara. And a little bit of powder and that's it. Oh my god. Not gosh. not a brush, not not a you know, a little powder do thing that you yeah. use to put the sponge on with. Well I said, Well what am I gonna do? I, you know, and so I said, I gotta find something to put the makeup on. So I look underneath the counter and she's got some maxi pads. <laughs> <laughs> so, said, amazing,
2: and so, it's
1: so, amazing. so i get these maxi pads and i start cutting them up in little squares <laughs> <laughs> she said are we getting close to starting i said "And it wasn't that fun carol channing voice. this is no, like this business is carol business. channing we yeah. need to get to moving on this i said yes ma'am so i take that maxi pad and i ever so lightly dab it into that powder and start And she closes her eyes, and I start patting this powder on her face with this maxi pad that I've cut up. And my hand just kind of shaking. What a great idea, though.
0: Then I
1: go in and I get the lipstick, and I put a little bit on the palm of my hand, and I give her a little bit of rose because I knew Alan could touch it up with the computer that we had something to work with. So I'm touching this up, and she looks in the mirror and she says to me, oh, you're doing a very natural look on me. I like it. I said, it's very natural, Carol. <laughs> I said, we can go in they're and so digitize you what you know it. what we want to add something. So I did a little bit of purple around her eyes. And then she put her lipstick on. And I said, okay, we got to do the eyelashes now. I don't wear eyelashes. And I was like, well, what do you mean you don't wear eyelashes anymore? They're, they're too heavy on my eye. And I said, well, Carol, these are lightweight. eyelashes. <laughs> lightweight. I said, these are lightweight. And they were Ruta's old eyelashes, you know, that she yeah. had kept. And I said, please, I'm not wearing eyelash. And I said, Carol, you have to wear these eyelashes. I said, because my dream is to do Carol Channing's makeup and her hair for this photo shoot. And if you do not wear these eyelashes, you will not be Carol Channing. And my dream will not come true. <laughs> oh. And she said, well, then we must wear the eyelashes. Left and her. i said well, so she put these eyelashes on just sets them right on her eyes we get her in the dress we get her hair done and she was just magical she you got out a, there you, you
2: have a picture on your phone i do oh, i'll find it yeah finish it and it. she
1: sure got out sure. there and she said what do you want me to do and alan said just be carol channing so she started doing all her iconic poses and so when we were done with the uh photo shoot i got into the bathroom with her and i was taking all of her garb off and i said well let's take your eyelashes off she goes oh no i love these mink eyelashes that i'm wearing these lightweights. i can wear these <laughs> she said i will wear these to the super bowl party i said okay and so um that that was my, and so i was so mad at ruta i called her and told her what had happened and uh, she said, honey, you're now the MacGyver of hair and makeup. Congratulations. <laughs> you are, that was, I, but that was one of my favorite stories. But we, we made it work, and the photos were, were great. you oh notice
2: gosh. the impression, the Carol Channing impression he does?
1: Well, he oh, do yeah,
2: that. I do. He I could, I could did, also yeah. do Bill Clinton.
1: <laughs> well, not really.
2: Well, when I least expected.
1: I'll do, I'll, yeah. I hear the voice. Yeah, I'll do like,
2: something. Oh, David. i oh, Jennifer,
1: you want to go have a little dinner tonight? <laughs> oh, that's Perfect. <laughs> And Jennifer will true. look at me and go. Now that's not funny. Now, <laughs> and then if I go into Starbucks, this really aggravates. Her. I'll have to, my name is Clinton. My first name is Clinton, and so I'll have them put Clinton on the on the. But it will say Clinton, your your order's ready. I said,
2: you yeah, know, I'm and trying up, to be low key. Yeah. David. Yeah. And they're yelling Clinton. Out in the room I did it one a, night
1: when we went out and had dinner. And they said, Clinton, your table's ready, Clinton. And Jennifer said, no, that's not funny, and you need to quit dinner. I said, well, that's my God-given name. She said, well, I don't care if it's your God-given name or not, and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we have a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, it was funny. <sighs> oh,
2: So
1: that was my Carol Channing story. and, and uh, But she's a wonderful lady. She calls me her spiritual son. She said, you are my spiritual son.
3: She's so
2: oh. sweet.
1: So sweet, yes.
3: So you have developed just all these fabulous relationships.
1: Yeah, the one person that I haven't done is share, and I'm I'm, I'm going to her meet her. going to meet though. I'm yeah. going to meet her this Scheduled summer, I think, her and, her with summer. the help of Ruta. I think she's going to make a call for me. Oh my and, god! And, and Ruta says mainly because I'm sick of hearing about the bitch. <laughs> I'm going to get you to share. I don't care what we have to do. So, you know, and if I do, I'll tell, you know, I'll say, no, look, I know you don't need another hairdresser doing your hair, and I know that I probably will not impress you. But if you would allow me to just style your hair and to spend a little bit of time with you, I would appreciate it. And so would Ruta Lee, because she's sick of hearing about you. (laughs) So you got nothing to lose when you talk to people.
3: No, you don't. You really don't. And one
1: other I thing think I'm, that's a
3: lesson we can kind of take away
1: from yeah, this also. Yeah, you have nothing to lose. I mean, you'd
2: you know. You never know till you try, and yes. you don't know until you ask.
1: Yes. And another thing I'm going to add is, you know, when you go to do a celebrity's hair, especially a celebrity that's been around for a little while. They've traveled the world. They've had their hair done. You better be on your game. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to blow their dress up, but th- their hair needs to look on point. Right. Because these women have been around. They've had the best hairdressers. And here comes little Fort Worth David Blackstock in. So I never go in saying, oh, I'm really going improv- to I'm just I just want to do a good job for you and make you happy and hopefully have a great experience with you and walk away with a picture. You know, so.
3: absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love the book. Thank I, like you. I said, I love that the book is not it's not your memoir. No, it's not. Under that's the guys have a business plan. Yes. Has a
2: plan. I has really a plan hate
3: plan. it when it's all con- convoluted in one book, you know, yes. uh, a memoir would be a good idea. That
1: would be fun. But
3: this is not the memoir.
1: No, that's, this that. is
3: really a business plan. Like I said, if you love your hairdresser or you are a hairdresser, you need to have this book. Absolutely. Because this is
1: about... Like it says, retiring with a nest egg,
0: and, and like yeah. I said, that, that and
3: that's that's important.
1: That, that's important. I mean, you want to have a good time, but at the end of the party, you want to be able to go on and live life comfortably, somewhat.
3: Exactly, you and know? you know, there's a lot of hairdressers that sometimes they don't pay into Social Security mm-hmm. and they don't do some of those things, mm-hmm. and one day they're old or sick, and they go, "I have no benefits."
1: Nope, you're mm-hmm. exactly right.
3: Exactly. So yeah. this, you know, a lot of people give their hairdressers gifts you know yeah i'm even bad about that taking you know or good about that whichever it is Yeah, you need to take this well good i, I love
1: this industry and i love being a part of it and i love uh to see people do well in their career because i'm 51 now i'm gonna be 52 in april i've had a very good well career. you're just a babe well yeah somewhat but uh but i wanted to, to leave something behind for this industry no matter how minute it might be to, to help somebody. Well, and, and business, you know,
3: that's the beauty you know, of
1: books. I really want people to it do It is our well. legacy. Yeah. I really want people to do well in this industry because it ha- and I, you've got to give back to something that's been good to you. So
3: for sure. Yeah. And, and it has been good to you. It has been very you've good. You've had a me. lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no complaints. If I dropped dead tomorrow, I would be uh, a very happy man. I've had a very good life considering where I started and where I am today. As Ruta says, you're a freaking miracle. And, well, uh, and you're our survivor.
2: And he's He and Tony have been together for...
1: Uh, It'll be 30 years in October. He and
2: his partner, they are married.
1: Have We're been married. married. Get down. Yeah, and I'm very, very, very happy. I've got, you know, I've got the husband. I've got the house. I've got the four dogs. Um, I've got... You know, I've got everything that that most people strive to get. And plus, I have a wonderful career, and a lot of my dreams have come true. And still
3: plenty of time to do Cher's hair, right?
1: Yes. Yes, that's my thing. Matter of fact, I have a spot on my wall that's blank. And everybody will say, well, why don't you have something there? And I go, well, that's for sure. That's for sure. Because Dolly Parton told me after I did her hair, I said, well, my dreams are... You know, my dream has come true now. And she said, well, you get you another dream. You have she to. said, because <laughs> I do not want to be the reason that you stop dreaming. Because when you stop dreaming, you stop living. Exactly. And when you stop living, you get old. She said, so you get another dream. And you pursue that. Even if you never achieve it, you're going to work towards it. And so exactly. that's what I did. It's the journey. It's the journey. So once yes. you
3: do share, you got to find it's somebody. It's very else. important
1: how you handle the journey from beginning to end.
3: Yeah, because sometimes once you reach the goal, you realize, oh darn, the journey's yeah. over. So you got to create another you gotta journey. You got to create eventually. another journey. Yeah, so,
1: well, Grace, we got to agree to have David and Jennifer back sometimes. We yeah, absolutely,
3: absolutely do. We're having Jennifer back next Monday. Yes, oh. I'll be here Monday. So oh,
1: have to tune, got lots to of
3: exciting things going. Absolutely. And yes, we um, can. I think we can definitely agree on that.
2: Uh, yes, I can't wait. I'm excited.
3: And we don't always agree, but life's a journey. Yeah. And we're all in this together. Remember, do not become anybody's victim. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Nobody's Victim. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests. Godspeed. Godspeed to all of our friends out there. Absolutely. Godspeed, Absolutely.
0: everyone, and thanks for listening. Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the right left to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins.